From the virtual newsroom of Impact Alpha, this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, October 16th. I'm Brian Walsh. Today, we welcome back Imogen Rose-Smith and David Bank for a quick roundtable from ESG to Impact. Hi, Imogen. Hi, Brian. Hi, David. Hey, Brian. And we'll meet this week's agent of impact, the Nigerian activist Aisha Yasufu, who has been part of that country's protests against police brutality. But first, here's what you need to know in Impact Investing. What a difference some poll results make. Just a few weeks ago, some investors were fretting about higher taxes in a potential Biden administration. Now, they're eyeing a potential blue wave of opportunities in green energy, electric vehicles, healthcare, and education. See Impact Alpha for more on the new meaning of pro-business. The energy disruption is here. This year, global energy demand will drop by 5% and CO2 emissions by 7%. Oil producers have slashed investment and written down $50 billion in assets. COVID has upended the annual energy forecast of the International Energy Agency, which lays out four scenarios through 2050. Even the most ambitious may not decarbonize fast enough. Investors are pushing for action. This week, investors representing $20 trillion launched a campaign called Business Ambition for 1.5 Degrees, aimed at 1,800 high-emitting companies. Another effort, Climate Action 100+, is pressing companies to align with two-degree scenarios. Legal and General Investment Management, one of the most aggressive asset managers on climate, says it will vote against directors at companies that don't step up. Later, our roundtable will talk about ESG and impact investing, but U.S. investors still have some catching up to do on environmental, social, and governance investing, one of the fastest-growing sectors in finance. Europe, Canada, and Asia all lead the U.S. in ESG adoption. A staggering 94% of European investors use ESG as part of their investment strategy, compared to 65% in the U.S. And here's a new twist, an impact litigation fund. Aristata Capital will back lawsuits that advance social and environmental goals and can collect big settlements and awards. Capricorn, which manages money for the billionaire Jeff Skoll, jumped in with 10 million pounds. That's about $13 million. Now it's time for our future conversation. ESG is the hottest trend in finance, with capital inflows to environmental, social, and governance funds this year already topping last year's record totals. But when investors consider that the top five holdings of ESG ETFs, that's exchange-traded funds, are Microsoft, Alphabet, Procter & Gamble, Apple, and Home Depot, some are wondering what all the fuss is about. ESG funds appear to have outperformed the market as a whole this year, but just as they've arrived to the big time, they're under fire. David, what's going on? Brian, well, ESG funds have outperformed, um, and they almost it's almost become conventional wisdom that they have lower risks. But that's mainly because, I'm sure Imogen will remind us of this, they were largely out of oil stocks, which have tanked, and into high tech, which has done very well in the pandemic. But they haven't had a lot of actual environmental and social value. So that's why the active fund managers are touting impact as the next frontier, um, finding companies that actually are tackling the big challenges and investing in them. Sometimes those are smaller and mid-cap companies, not like the, the top end of the Dow and the S&P that you mentioned. And in some cases, uh, managers are actively shorting companies that might be on the wrong side of history, like fossil fuels or sugary foods or what have you. Um, this focuses more, much more on the corporate strategies for their products and services and not just on their own operations. So Imogen, as our resident curmudgeon, you might uh, cynically say that uh, some of these asset managers are just after the higher fees they can command 
uh, by labeling things ESG. Is that is that fair? Um, <laughs> I would say that even if I wasn't a, re a resident curmudgeon. You know, I think that this is this isn't really about impact versus ESG. This is really part of the broader debate that's been happening in asset management. You know, over the last decade. So, you know, we've had a, we had until COVID and, and even within COVID, you know, stocks, the stock market has been remarkably resilient. So we've had sort of a decade long, long bull market where active management has not outperformed and, and has not justified its fees and has not been valued. So what you've seen is you've seen and you've had the ascent of ETFs and other passive products. So what you've seen is you've seen very large amounts of capital move into indexing, i.e. passive management. Um, and, very, and, and the active management industry is getting more and more squeezed. At the same time, the hedge fund industry has had a terrible decade, right? So you were paying, you know, 2% management fee, 20% performance fee for hedge funds, and they haven't performed. So there's been this realignment within the broader asset management industry into passive management. And one of the things that came out of that's ironically, one of the reasons that you've seen a lot of these passive managers embrace ESG is because it was a way to differentiate themselves, right? Like one passive manager looks a lot like another passive manager, if what you're doing is investing in the S&P 500. So if you can come up with a version of a fossil fuel free index, or whatever it is, then that is a way to differentiate yourself and attract capital. Now, technically, yes, it, it, it's obviously true that, you know, you're not having a particularly big impact bang for your buck by pure investment in, you know, large companies alone. Um, but I think that when you start sort of promoting active management, the issues become much more nuanced. A, yes, it is more expensive. B, yeah, David's entirely right. The reason that these funds have outperformed on, on the indices and on the active side is in large part because they weren't invested in fossil fuels. Now, you could say that's the point, right? And that we're moving away from fossil fuels and the market is solving that problem. Um, but the other problem, the other issue is like, it's not like short selling is that easy, right? It's not like, you know, you just, you just pick the bad company, short them away, you go. Short selling is incredibly hard and most people aren't very good at it. So I don't know why we should assume that impact managers are somehow going to be amazing short sellers. Well, the shorting is only part of the strategy, but you're absolutely right, Imogen, that the active managers who used to say that you needed to, an active manager to do ESG, now the algorithms can do ESG. So the active managers are moving you know, upstream, as it were, to what they're calling impact, and they're driving these strategies that are much more proactive um, going after you know, big challenges, big problems, you know, new technologies and whatnot. Um, now, the question, again, is, 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 is a slightly different one. You know, does in, in the public markets, if those companies are good, are good companies, they're getting capital from all kinds of investors. What, you know, you know, what, what is that? Why do you need an impact investor? Right. And that gets back to the earlier uh, question uh, of does putting an ESG label on an active management uh, strategy just uh, serve as a way to justify charging higher fees than a passive index tracking strategy. Well, but but there's another nuance, which is that the ESG fund, even the ESG passive funds, get a higher fee than the non-ESG passive funds. So even in, in the in the passive world, ESG gets a premium, which may or may not be justified, as you say. And then the active managers, you know, would say that they deserve a premium on top of that. 
I think we all deserve a premium, David. I do find it interesting that the the competition, though, becomes about how much impact you can deliver. We can look down our noses cynically at the fee structures of the asset management industry, but we can also say that if they have to compete on something, why don't have them compete on how much impact they can drive? But I think, you know, it should come down to what do you as a consumer slash investor want, right? And there's something to be said for a low fee index product. And there's an ESG conversation to be had around the financial services industry and the fact that it shouldn't be extracting so much in fees from consumers, right? So if what you're after as an investor is, you know, a low fee, low risk, relatively low risk equity strategy that expresses your social values, then, you know, seems like going into, you know, an index fund is a good idea. If yeah, you're but you're expressing some... your social values as long as your tracking error, so-called, from the from the benchmark, is not more than some tiny amount. So you're basically trying to say we want to ha- we want to still be part of the broad market. We just want to be slightly less polluting, slightly less exploiting, and you you still are exposed to the fact that the systemic risks of climate change and everything else are still baked into the market that you're basically tracking. But maybe, again, if I'm investing my 401k, maybe that's not such a bad thing to do, right? Like maybe I should be doing more. Maybe I can do more with proxy voting. Maybe I can do more as a consumer. Maybe I shouldn't be putting all my money into high fee, more volatile and more liquid strategies to achieve maximum impact, right? So it it depends. depends Again, as always, it depends over what time horizon you're talking about, because if you think that you're going to um, be invested for, say, pensioners, you know, drawing down their pensions in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, then maybe you actually need to think about what the world's going to look like in those out years. (laughs) And here we are again. Is that what you're laughing about? (laughs) Yeah, no, you're not going to make the argument that all defined benefit pension plans should be full-on impact investors because we'll they see. need to be in, we'll see. keep an eye out for how the world's going to look in 30 or 50 we'll years. We'll see. Good luck with that one. <laughs> All right. Well, however it turns out, we will cover it in the digital pages of Impact Alpha. Now it's time for this week's Agent of Impact. Nigerian activist Aisha Yusufu. Protesters in Nigeria have demanded for an end to the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, or SARS, which is accused of police brutality, harassment, and extrajudicial killings. Yusufu emerged back in 2014 as a leader of the Bring Back Our Girls movement, which worked for the return of the 200 girls abducted by the terrorist group Boko Haram. This week, Yusufu went viral on social media, protesting in front of police fist in the air. Like Black Lives Matter in the U.S., Nigeria's activists are fighting for freedom and rule of law and conditions in which they can grow and thrive. I'm petrified. I'm worried. And for me, I'm looking at it. Look, they should not think this is the normal protest that they have seen before. The government should not use uh, uh, high-handedness. The government should be a human faith. Come out. It's the humble pie. Yasufu is in her 40s, considered an elder in a woman and LGBTQ and youth-led movement. Here, she articulates their plight. So there's a difference. And these are, these are youth who are educated, who have been deprived by their nation, who we haven't given enabling environment for them to thrive yet. In their own little niches, they are finding places and they're thriving, they're working hard. And we come after them because we do not understand that the generation is different from ours. Protests are spreading worldwide. 
exacerbated by the COVID crisis. It's a critical moment. Please, don't get distracted. Focus on the issue. You are doing so great. You've woken up. You found your voice. And you have given, given us also voices. That is what is most important. End SARS now. SARS must end. And we must have a great nation. Period. Nothing else matters. See our profile of Aisha and all of our agents of impact on Instagram at Impact Alpha. That's going to do it for your impact briefing this week. You can read all of these stories at impactalpha.com. Subscribers receive the brief and full access to Impact Alpha, including subscriber-only Agent of Impact calls. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use code BRIEFING100 for $100 off. Thank you for listening, and thanks to David, Imogen, and our producer, Isaac Silk. I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the fintech company LiquidNet. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the show right now. It really helps us reach more listeners. And make sure you check back next week for the latest impact investing news. Till then, take care.